I love how I was alone in that. 855-212-4CBS. That's how you get in touch with the show. It is Maggie and Perloff. We are across the country on CBS Sports Radio. We're on the absolutely free Odyssey app. We're on Sirius XM Channel 158. And we're streaming live YouTube.com slash CBS Sports Radio. This is the time of the year, Perloff, where the front office general managers in the NFL really shine. So to get the thoughts uh, of what these teams are going through right now with Lamar Jackson now on the non-exclusive franchise tag and Aaron Rodgers meeting with the Jets, we want to welcome in a pro, someone who is the NFL Executive of the Year in 2008 and 2010, former general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, before that with the Patriots. Now he's the CEO of Sumer Sports, and that's Thomas Dimitrov. Thomas, haven't seen you since the Super Bowl. Thanks so much for doing this. Maggie and Perloff, I appreciate you guys having me. I'm in Aspen right now, gliding around, not thinking about how heavy this is weighing on GM's mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good to be Thomas Dimitrov today. Not bad. I love it. In yeah, Aspen. by the way, when you were employed, uh, when you were with the Falcons, you did not get to ski this week, I'm imagining. <laughs> Normally not. You know, I, I played around three different times with uh, franchise tags, very different different uh, ways, of course, approaching with a punter, with a corner, and with a defensive tackle, all very, very different. Yeah, a little bit different than the franchise quarterback. So let's start there. You know, because we are never privy to these kind of things, Thomas, for our audience and for us, um, what happens now? So the non-exclusive tag gets put on Lamar. You know, teams can start, I guess, reaching out next week. Is there a deadline for when teams have to put their final offers in? And, like, take us through the nitty-gritty here. Well, I mean, they have until, what is it, July 15th, I believe the, the date is. I mean, it starts mid-next week, as you know, and all the offers start coming in. You know, to me, the fact that no player in the NFL was signed to an exclusive tender is a really, really big thing in my mind. And this is complicated with Lamar, as you can imagine. You can only imagine, Eric, the Costa and company have a lot on their plate right now. You know, they obviously value a guy like Lamar a great deal, um, but there's a difference between 32.4 million and what 45, I believe, and it, it takes a lot of thinking because very easily a team can come along and offer. Now, again, if a team wants to sign Lamar, they owe the the Ravens two first round picks, which is a very complicated decision to make for a team. Thomas, does a team have to talk to Lamar Jackson to make uh, an offer? Anybody can make an offer, right, in this franchise tag system? They don't have to reach some sort of tentative agreement or understanding. They can just put out a number, right? They can, they can offer, yeah, have, uh, submit an offer sheet, exactly. So what's basically, there's been a lot of reporting came out yesterday that so-and-so teams weren't interested. We didn't hear any team say they were interested. That does is that not surprising to you? If say you were interested in Lamar Jackson, would you let it leak to the press, or, or would you want to keep it quiet and keep your cards close to the vest? I would like to keep them close to the vest. Uh, it, to me, it's very interesting. I know there's been a lot out there, you know, uh, bantered about um, when we start talking about you know that really hot topic of collusion, which is a whole other other deal. I think the reality is a lot of these teams that have shown that they're not interested, and one happens to be my, my former team, there's a lot more to it than just you know, potentially a what, $230 million guarantee. That's huge when you start thinking about Deshaun Watson. You start thinking about Lamar, who Lamar's obviously won an MVP, right? He's an MVP caliber quarterback. 
But there are other elements out there that people start thinking about, right? How long, you know, what's the longevity of his career? Are people seriously concerned about where he is from an injury standpoint? Believe me, both, both you all, that, that, you know, when you look at this, this guy does not have an agent. That is a very, very com- complicated element that we could probably talk about. And it's tough to deal with someone in that mode uh, as, as a general manager, as an organization. Can you flesh that out for us? Thomas Dimitrov is a two-time NFL executive of the year with the Atlanta Falcons. What makes it so hard that he doesn't have an agent? Well, I think you can look, you can look at it on a number of levels. For him right now, and you can, you can read about this and, and think about, as, if he were to have an agent right now, I think personally it would benefit him at, at a number of levels, right? Not only their, their interaction, interaction with the media, of course, interaction with other teams. If you have good relationships with agents, sometimes, as much as we don't like to admit this, an agent has a really good relationship with two or three other general managers out in the league, and they can help um, you know, put out some smoke screens that there are people interested there. It rises up the whole you know, back and forth about who's truly interested in a player. So to me, it can really benefit him. On the other side of, of dealing with a player that doesn't have an agent, there are just you know, trying to get to the nitty-gritty of a deal, not only now, but when you sign someone or you agree to someone, uh, someone's contract, you know that the renegotiation element is going to enter or rear its head in the next two or three years. And you're hoping that you're going to be with a player and an agent who are of sound mind so that you can continue to parlay this into uh, you know, further contracts. So, Thomas, ultimately, what do you think the number is going to be for Lamar? Do you think he gets the $230 million that Deshaun Watson got? Um, I, think, I think there's going to be a team out there that is, you know, seriously ripe on, on pulling that trigger. I, um, I'm sure that someone is going to step up here in the near future and say, look, Let's see how this plays out. And I do believe that, yes, to answer your question. Okay. Uh, one last one yeah. about the the whole collusion thing, because you're right, that has been out there. Like, I don't think, and Perloff, I think we can speak for both of us, that we don't think that guys are meeting in a smoke-filled room with cigars and drinking cognac and being like, all right, nobody <laughs> signed Lamar Jackson. Like, I don't think that's what's going on. But, Thomas, don't you think that, you know, and Steve Bashotti, the owner of the Ravens, even came out and said it. The owners were not happy with the Browns giving Deshaun Watson that amount of guaranteed money. I think, you know, you could argue that the owners want to send a message like that's not going to be the standard. That's going to be an outlier. The first thing I want to say, yes, there are smoke-filled rooms, and there are a lot of cognac, not only with owners but GMs as well. (laughs) They're not necessarily talking about the contract that way. The one thing I do agree with what you said for sure, uh, amongst a number of things, is the fact that, you know, the, 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 any time in the NFL there's something that complicates the lives of a general manager and the ultimate lives of the owners. And like I've said before, I think even on your, you know, on your show at the Super Bowl, I mean, it is their train set. And no one likes to be kind of misaligned and, and sort of um, inhibited by however they're put, putting together their world. So I'm sure it's a pain in their butt, to be honest with you, at a lot of levels. I don't look at it necessarily as collusion. I look at it as as a reality. Everyone wants there to be smooth flowing in their worlds, and everyone does think the next time they're facing, whether it's a quarterback or anyone in the league, they're hoping, again, that things run smoothly for them to get their deal signed. Thomas, do you think some of the other quarterbacks who could be on the market soon or might be negotiating could surpass $230 million guaranteed? I'm thinking of Joe Burrow, maybe Jalen Hurts, maybe Justin Herbert. 
Is that that number seems so big now? Is it possible that we pass that as soon as this off season? God, it seems so big, doesn't it? And I would say I could see it happening. I mentioned before when we signed Matt Ryan, one of your Philly people, right? You know, um, when we signed him and we signed him to thirty million dollars a year, the world was turned upside down. And once again, I was a pariah following up from the, the, the Julio Jones trade. But I had always mentioned to all of our local media in Atlanta, within two months, they're just gonna, it's just going to fly by where, where Matt Ryan was. And I believe the same. It's unbelievable where the money is nowadays. And I do believe these quarterbacks are on the rise. And it's, we're going to step back and be amazed at where the numbers are going. Thomas Dimitrov is a two-time NFL executive of the year. He's now the CEO of Sumer Sports, trying to help teams build the perfect roster. Uh, just a couple more for you, Thomas, and appreciate you taking time for us today. So if you were the Jets, you fly to California, you're meeting with Aaron Rodgers. Like, what are you saying to him? What do they have? What do you think they have to sell him on to join their franchise? Well, I, I think the big thing is, you know, selling him on, on you know, a new, a new location, of course, right? He's, he's been up and down, you know, with the Packers. And obviously, I think personally he's one of the very best out there who, who have played that position. But I feel like it's, you know, his personality is, is uh, you know, it's running thin, so to speak, with that, with that world there in Green Bay. And I think the city, open-minded element of New York. And I just, I think, you know, Joe Douglas is a really good football man. I think Joe's going to get in there and talk about the organization, going to talk about the, the, the offensive line they have there and, and the ability to continue to grow. And I, I, I really do – I just continue to press to say, hey, you have three potentially more years uh, to win a Super Bowl, and what a great place to win in New York. That's what I would do. I would say to Maggie Thomas, and I'm, I think you'll agree with this, I've, I've met Joe Douglas a number of times and Robert Sala. I haven't met Woody Johnson, but it seems like those guys would be fun to sit in a room with and could kind of convince Aaron no, Rodgers. you said they would be the most charming yeah. coach-general-manager <laughs> duo in the NFL. I think Sala and Douglas is a dream team as far as hanging out <laughs> in a room with. They just seem like fun to me. I don't know them nearly as well as you, but they're pretty good, you have to admit. Fun, fun guys, of course. Very, very good football men that will speak, look you in the eye and talk to you. I mean, Joe Douglas is you know, trusted as, you know, very, very well in the league. Robert is well, the way that he approaches his players. So you have a situation that you're kicking it off and you're no longer sort of at loggerheads with your coach, right? You're, you're at another spot. It's fresh. It's new. I mean, look what happened in, in, in Los Angeles. Get an opportunity to, to put a, potentially put a ring. At least that's how you, you sell it to a guy like Aaron. And again, Aaron still has it in the tank, I believe. It was just a, to me, it was a really tough year last year. Last one for you, Thomas. I'll let you get back to the slopes. Um, what do you think is most important? The most important thing that we should keep in mind, fans should keep in mind during this time of year, which is free agency is starting next week, and then you're getting ready for the draft. What should we know? What do you wish that fans knew from your seat? Well, look, I think the reality is you you the the most feasible way to approach building a team. Of course, we say it time and again in and outside of our organization. It's, it's build through the draft and supplement with free agency. I know that sounds simple. simple. The reality is it is the best way to do it. However, our, my good friend Les Need, who is the Maverick GM, and I was just with Kevin Demoff at Sloan at, at the, the analytics conference, we talked about that at length. You get a situation nowadays where if you go into free agency and you're acquiring through, it, through free agency, there's an element of knowing what you're getting, right? That is, it's, it's a little more complicated when someone's sitting there at the first pick overall like the Bears and they're trying to trade, trade back and potentially 
the Colts jump up and take the first pick, they're not sure what that first quarterback is going to do, right? So I think there's some assurance in free agency. You kind of know what you're getting. You hope you do anyway. And I think that that's a little bit of a sure thing. Work both free agency and the draft together, and I think you can be a very good team-building organization. Who is the smartest person at Sloan that you talked to? <laughs> Uh, you know, it's a, it's amazing. They're watching people there and watching Michael Lewis talk about Moneyball 20 years later. And, uh, you know, the group, there, there were just so many intelligent people there. For us to go in there with Sumer Sports, it allowed us to, to, to spin around with some really, really smart people. And we were looking to hire there as well, as you can imagine. There you go. Uh, Thomas, thanks so much for doing this. Hope to talk to you again soon. We always appreciate your expertise. You've been in the room. You've done the deals. And uh, this is great for us. Thank you. Can't wait to talk on the other side. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Thank you. Stay safe on the slopes. Uh, uh, yeah, by the way, that's so funny about the Sloan. I know. There are so many smart people. Forget it. You and I would <laughs> feel like country bumpkins if we walked into that room. <laughs> well, at least I, I mean, would. You can throw around the Dartmouth thing. I know, but come on. I was an English major. These are This is, <laughs> this is real analytics. I could tell them about... Uh, Hemingway or something. <laughs> I have no idea how to even do an Excel spreadsheet. Not didn't never find your way into any of those econ classes. I did actually. I did take econ. I liked econ. Uh, took it micro and macro. I still don't know which one was which. <laughs> um, nice. Money by the way, well spent. so you set me up with the most likable. Yeah. I didn't want to go there because Dimitrov and Douglas were right. You know, Douglas was a longtime Ravens scout, and Dimitrov was a longtime Patriots scout. You yeah. know, those two franchises. I know. So I thought Thomas, he, they all got their guys. You know that they're all, he's from a different school of GM than Douglas. It's just funny to think about, we never think about these uh, football guys as being like, who has to charm somebody? It's always they, like, well, football. Urgh, you yeah, know? I think that doesn't someone in the building have to be the salesman, the, the bringing the, the free agents? Less need. I mean, I mean, usually that's the guy who's like writing the check or whoever's mm. handing it. You know, that's the GM. But I, I don't think they need to be charming. I think they just need to offer more money. Like that's how I you would, get I, people to come I to think your you're right. Well, I said that about that NFLPA list that ranked all the different accommodations. Yeah. yeah. I said, yeah, that's all great. But throw me $180 million to Kyler Murray and he doesn't care. If you're going to charge uh, him for dinner. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care if the, uh, if the hot tub has a leak. Yeah. He'll be fine. If there's a rat infestation in the laundry room. But it does it does seem like GMs are... Tra- I mean, listen, you and I have sat with some GMs and coaches. Those guys are charmers. I mean, coaches are natural-born salesmen. Ron Rivera sat... We were talking about him. He sells you on a vision about what his team is going to be because I think they need to interact with fans. They're all recruiters. They're all <laughs> yeah. They're all salesmen, Maggie. Imagine you sit in the room with two Belichicks as the no, coach those... and the general manager. Well, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the... oh, be a okay. nightmare. That'd be a nightmare. But is there any other team? Every other team is cool. I don't think Belichick <laughs> is like that. Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of these guys can be kind of awkward. Like you know? who? Less I've, less need. I've, I've I've come into contact with a couple. Oh really? I feel like the GMs are well. I yeah, you've been around. Mike McCagnan. Yeah, but I mean, he was on. not a natural-born salesman. Yeah, but <laughs> Mike McCagnan, the Jets guy. Yeah. Yeah, that was not a well-received GM tenure. <laughs> he was just the head of scouting. Leslie would have you wrapped around else. his finger so fast it'd be unbelievable. Well, I mean, he doesn't try to sell me. He's got to try to sell someone yeah. else. Yeah. Les, are you kidding me with that hair? All he has to do is go in and show that hair, <laughs> hair. and it's done. And, it, and his wife. Kara is, forget it. They are, they rule the whole West Coast. It's got to be a charming duo. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Okay. Thanks to Thomas Dimitrov.
I thought biggest takeaway from him, he thinks Lamar is going to get the 230. Yeah, he seemed pretty confident. Yep, which is funny because the first 24 hours have not really played out probably the way that Lamar had hoped, which is basically teams mm. publicly bailing. I think that's too much speculation on our part, though. Well, it's just reports, but No, yeah. no, I, I think the reports are true, but just that there's there's 25 other teams out there that we don't know if somebody's putting... Thomas sort of implied it, that somebody's probably putting together something. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. 230 does. You're right. The early indications are not good, but there could easily be a team sitting there. And Did we said, know Cleveland was going to get to Sean Watson? No, it was a shock. But the other thing is, he said the absolute end deadline for this is July 15th. The end deadline for the Ravens. For the Ravens to, you know, match or... Well, technically, they have five days from when the offer sheet comes in to decide whether or not they want to match it. But the drop-dead deadline for the franchise tag and all this... Thomas Dimitrov said July, mid-July. This has got to get done way before that. But that would imply that nobody made a tender offer on Lamar, right? I, yeah. I can't wait I till mid-July. I would imagine people want this done before the draft. I can't wait till mid-July, Maggie. Just as a, <laughs> first of all, I woke up so disappointed today. I said it to myself, I need another dopamine hit of an NFL headline. Because yesterday, we, we it was coming fast and furious. I know. Give me something, Peter. Well, we give digest. me some Peter King, Jay Glazer, uh <laughs> Rap sheet. Somebody give me some news here, right? Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever get addicted to NFL news where it's just coming in, it's coming in, and then you go quiet? <laughs> it's like a, it's like a kid eating sugar. No, I, it, like and honestly, it, it gives you, I, not to get scientific, I'm sure there's a little Twitter alert dopamine hit. When you, aren't are you excited when you read these news stories? <laughs> yeah, but I don't think I'm addicted to them. Maybe I am. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Are you having withdrawal today? I was so mad today. You're, I was woke up and over. I'm and I'm looking at my phone. I'm looking at all the websites and there's nothing. I'm like, yesterday was, you know what? They should have spread out some of the news yesterday. Give me Daniel Jones one day, Lamar the next. Don't <laughs> give it to me all within a 45 minute period. I know. How are we going to handle this? Eight five five two one two four two two seven. See you guys in the chat as well. The Weedos, the Purple Drinkers, appreciate you. You can follow us, Maggie and Pearl off on Instagram, Maggie and Pearl on Twitter and Facebook. Maggie and Perloff. We've got so much more. Oh, you asked for breaking news. I got some for you. We're going to have to give it to you on the other side. Perloff yes. asks and the universe yes. delivers. We do have breaking oh. news. Stay with us. <laughs> it's a big one. We'll get it to you in just moments. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff. Straight ahead. It's time to answer our Ask the Pros question today. Brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Today's question comes from Jim in California. Hey, you guys promised a celebrity sighting and then you never delivered. Who did you see? We'll tell you in a moment. Don't forget, you can submit a question by going to cbssportsradio.com slash askthepros or tweeting it at cbssportsradio using the hashtag askthepros. Read the next page, too. Yeah, oh, sorry. Uh, all of it, of course, brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed <laughs> low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's funny because <laughs> we were so excited about the celebrity sighting, but we don't know if anyone else will be. No. Can we put it to the side, though, for one second to get to the breaking news, and then we'll do the celebrity story after the breaking news? I mean, the breaking news is going to be there. I think, because I, uh, I, how long are we going to discuss the celebrity sighting? I thought it was like a one-second thing. Oh, okay. It'll be a one-second thing. Uh, I don't I, know. I think we need more than a second, so okay, let's do the let's breaking news, and then we'll do the, the breaking news, story. then we'll do the celebrity sighting. Promise we'll do it. Both. There is big breaking news. Perloff, right before we got it went into the break, said, I'm fiending for breaking news because yesterday was so crazy. Today you get your breaking news, Perloff, and that is Jim Beheim, who is the winningest, winningest head coach in men's 
Division I basketball has now stepped down. That's it. He's retiring. Took over in 1976. Jim Beheim won a national championship with Syracuse, obviously, in 2003 with Carmelo Anthony. Five Final Four appearances. He won five Big East tournament titles, 10 Big East regular seasons, obviously. They were primarily in the Big East still moving until they moved to the ACC. He's in two different basketball Hall of Fames. He's in the Naismith Hall of Fame already. He's in the College Basketball Hall of Fame as well. And yeah, after Mike Krzyzewski retired last year, Beheim became the winningest coach. He's stepping down. It's the end of an era. And the successor to the throne in Syracuse, New York, Adrian Autry, yes. is going to take over for Jim Beheim. Yeah, I remember there Adrian Autry. It's amazing. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind, Maggie, was that all the old guard is stepping away from the sport. Yeah. We grew up in an era where college coaches were were huge figures. Uh, I mean, for me, Dean Smith, I don't think you had much Dean Smith, but then Roy Williams, yep. Coach K, obviously the biggest one, Jim Beheim, Yeah, Lute Olson. Uh, Calhoun. Yeah. Uh, the, Tom you know, Izzo's the last man. Tom, Tom Izzo's there, Izzo right. Izzo Calipari to me now is... Calipari and Izzo are good. But, right, right. But it sure seems like... That era, really, when Coach K walked away, yeah, was a big part I of mean, it. I mean, John Thompson. John these Tom- are like larger-than-life um, figures, you know? It seems like there aren't nearly as many, and and they were institutions, too. Beheim, you just said, hasn't moved since 1976. He's a walk-on at Syracuse. <laughs> he, yeah, I mean, he is Syracuse basketball. There's no difference. There's not where Syracuse starts and Beheim starts. Yeah. He's just the definition of the program comes with him. So it's going to be really hard for me to sort of wrap my head around who is Syracuse without Jim Beheim. No, I mean, it's just like Shashevsky with Duke, though, right? Yep, it's just exactly. the end of an era. And for me, growing up in upstate New York and Binghamton, which is, you know, like an hour and change basically from Syracuse, like an hour and a half from Syracuse. And there's no professional teams up there. You know, yep. you guys know I'm a Bills fan. I, I grew up five and a half hours away from Buffalo. Like <laughs> It's not exactly around the corner. And so Syracuse is like the professional team up there. You know, I remember how big the Carrier Dome used to be. The Carrier definitely. Dome is stands out in Central New York like a mecca. Oh my God! My mom went to Syracuse and graduated from there. I mean, there's just so many memories of being on that campus and going to games. Wait, your mom went to Syracuse? Yeah. You know, my parents. You know, I'm born in Syracuse, right? Yeah. We talked about this. My dad was a teacher there. My mom was there. Yeah. We're Syracuse people. <laughs> we, we've, I've always <laughs> been a Syracuse. Person. I'm the only one, but I jump on the Syracuse basketball bandwagon whenever they're good. You're not as yeah, they'll always be like you know my team. I always grew up rooting for Cuse, but then I went to college and became a fan of GW. But this oh. isn't about us. This is about Beheim. You know, <laughs> listen. He no, by no stretch was he perfect. Obviously, college basketball coaches it'd be impossible to find one without some skeletons in the closet. That's for sure. But Beheim is such a larger than life, as you mentioned, huge figure in upstate New York. Like you just cannot understate it. It's a whole state that is behind Syracuse. And beyond that, New York City, the college team of New York City is also Syracuse. (laughs) You go to those Big East tournaments at Madison Square Garden, it's all orange because they're like New York, they're New York City's college team too. No disrespect to St. John's or whatever, but Syracuse, you got so many Syracuse alums in New York City. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think St. John's might take a little exception to that. There are some. Listen, I mean, I got the receipts. Like, yeah. The other thing, too, is remember how great the Big East used to be? Well. When Syracuse. Yeah, that's what I think Beheim too, you mentioned John Thompson. I think Georgetown. I think 
my Villanova Wildcats. Yeah, UConn. UConn. Yeah, it was, it was all great. The last few years, it, it's, it's funny. I said I wanted breaking news. This is not the kind of breaking news I wanted because I, I would have liked for him to go out on top a little more. It's been a struggle. Yeah, but you know this happened. Like yeah. this happened to Gary Williams at Maryland. I, he wasn't as old, obviously, but like you know, the recruits well, just kind of stopped coming. Didn't happen know? to Coach K. No, Coach K goes out in the Final Four, but yeah, I think it was just time. It was yeah, beyond it was. time. I mean, at first, Beheim had said in 2015 he said he was going to retire in 2018. Now it's 2023. So, yeah. you know, he's held on. Um, and nobody was ever going to force him out. Like, no chance. I mean, he's got so much power and he's so revered. I mean, multiple gold medals. I should also That's mention another. that as an assistant coach on Team USA. In the pro game, in the college game, like, he's just so revered in the world of basketball. It was always going to be his decision and his choice. And it finally is to walk away. Yeah. The other thing, too, and I say and this is not a criticism, he's a character, too. He oh, yeah. does those press conferences where he puts, and you can't see this already, he puts his hand underneath his chin yep. and slouches <laughs> over and gives you that look like, oh, I can't believe you're asking me that. I know. He's got this very thick upstate New York accent that just sounds yeah. like home to me, too. Yeah. Uh, 78 years old. Yeah. It's Not, time. Yeah, definitely goes in the, I don't know, quite the Mount Rushmore of college basketball coaches, but he's... Damn close. Yeah, he's definitely in the parking lot. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to do a Mount Rushmore of them, but he's in the top 10, top 20 all-time iconic successful coaches. Number two on the all-time list. That's yeah. really all you need to know. Yeah, man. Uh, winless, that is. Ackerman, you got a Jim Beheim memory? Uh, him yelling at me at the 1990 <laughs> Big East Tournament Media Day. Wow, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't hold it against him. I'm like, oh boy, you know, it's like I kind of set him up. It was a softball, what I thought was a softball, because I talked about his team being more athletic. Uh, I asked him if that would give him any advantage this week. He's like, eh, they're all athletic and, you know, they're great. I'm like, this is like trying to play to your strength here. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I get it, fine. But uh, great coach, though. I yeah. mean, really. A guy, it's funny because a guy who didn't get enough credit uh, in the early years or the early half of his career, and then I don't want to say got too much credit, but really was recognized for the great coach that he is. Uh, it's almost like he, he, I don't want to say he got better with age, but he, uh, he got um, more widely accepted with age. Yeah. And listen, he got to also coach and his son, so, yeah. which has got to be amazing, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think he had this the thing one. early in his career, and correct me, Ak, you'll know this, where he couldn't win the big one for some yeah. time. Well, like they against came Indiana. In, I mean, yeah. One of the all-time great shots, though, with Keith Smart. Even before that, they came in as the number one seed into a lot of tournaments and were a bit one of those teams that just came up a little bit short, like yeah. Kansas used to. Derek Coleman, uh, those years, uh, they were the two seed, and I believe they were knocked off by Dick Tarrant and Richmond. Oh, wow. 88, right? That was an um, all-time upset, right? Yeah, it was a big one. I, I think that was the first time a, a number two seed uh, may have been knocked out. Certainly, I mean, the tournament only had gone to uh, 64 in 85, so that was obviously relatively young at that time. But uh, I just, you know, the thing that always comes back to me about him is that, you know, I, I mean, I'm 54 now, and I remember when I first started liking college basketball, Beheim seemed old then because he always had that, always <laughs> yeah. had that old look. But, yeah. but my, it was part of my first, uh, you know, uh, introductions to college basketball was the Louie and Bowie show. And, of course, you know, the great Louis Orr passed yeah. away recently. Yeah. But 
and, but I always thought that that Syracuse was this great. Uh, it was a great program because they had guys like Dave Bing, but but he really took it to another level. And from Louis and Bowie to Pearl, he won. He won with so many different teams in so many different ways. It, it was really remarkable. It really was. Yeah, Billy Owens. Billy remember? Owens, you know, and Lawrence Jerry McNamara, Lawrence Bowden, John Wallace taking them to the Final oh. Four in '96. Uh, I, I mean, he just had so many great. Great teams, and and again, and then he finally he finally won with the big star Carmelo Anthony in two thousand three yeah. uh, in the Superdome in New Orleans. It's it just it's it just amazing as we roll all all these teams off the the great players and the great teams and and how different they were over the years. I think one of the best things about him though is he let his players play, and he was he was criticized for that. As again, it plays into that not winning the big one early in his career, but. You know, Pearl Washington put the Big East on the map with his style of play, yeah. and, and well, and it also was perfect the two-three yeah. zone, yeah, which was became so you know, mm-hmm. just just synonymous with Syracuse. I love your point there, Ak. He looks the same in pictures from 1985 as he does. <laughs> there, are, there are other coaches. I'm trying. I'm racking yeah. my brain now. There's other coaches who have just always looked old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> I think honestly. Hubie Brown today and Hubie Brown in 1985. <laughs> well, we the it was a little different. Yeah, but and it used to be. Or something like Bobby Knight. I cannot yeah. even ever picture picture yeah. him as a young man. Yeah, you know, because well, even when he was young, he he had, had like he had white the, hair. He, he had the salt, the salt and pepper look. Yeah. Well, I mean, Beheim wasn't afraid to be sort of bald in 1984. <laughs> but remember back, at, I love this is total aside. But back in the 80s, there were bald NBA players like Granville Waiters. Yeah, and now <laughs> guys just cut their hair differently. So, but Beheim. <laughs> Bayheim is look. He looks good now. I'm going to say 78. He does not look 78. So good for him. I hope he. Uh, Julie's his wife, right? Yeah, Famously, mm-hmm. yeah. It feels like he'll he'll be good in retirement. I love when he's like, yeah, you know, when they when Julie they got married, oh. it softened him up a little bit. It's like, did it? <laughs> I don't think Maybe. that was possible. Maybe, but but a, but a great, but a, just a real credit to the game as far as his contributions. That's that's for sure. But on a personal note, I, I hate to make it about me, but I'm about to make it about me. Red Autry taking over as head coach. I, I remember Red Autry playing. I did his high school game when he wow. when he played with uh, Malik Sealy in the nineteen eighty eight state championships at Glens Falls, New York. Wow! Yeah, and now here he is, the head coach at Syracuse. It's crazy. Thirty four years later, thirty five. Look wow. at that! <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> We're gonna let that sink in for Rich Ackerman. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Perloff wanted breaking news. You got it today. Syracuse men's basketball coach Jim Beheim calls it a coaching career. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. Big show today, but just really the appetizer for tomorrow when Perloff and the peanut butter challenge all goes down. But before we get to that, let's get to our shot of the day. He shoots! And the shot of the day is brought to you by Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos is brought to you by those who drink it. Now, today's shot of the day came from former NFL executive of the year, two times, Thomas Dimitrov. When I asked him, Perloff, is Lamar Jackson going to get the $230 million that Deshaun Watson got? I think there's going to be a team out there that is, you know, seriously ripe on on pulling that trigger. I, um, I'm sure that someone is going to step up here in the near future and say, look, let's see how this plays out. And I do believe that, yes, to answer your question. There you go. So that was Thomas Dimitrov. That's your Casamigos shot of the day, a little snapshot of our show. And 
I've never heard the term seriously ripe. Yeah, in that <laughs> um, context, no. I mean, beyond like a banana, I don't know what else. Or so you could smell seriously ripe. <laughs> yeah, sorry, like underarms. <laughs> uh, I actually haven't heard anyone. He's the first NFL expert I've I've heard who says that he thinks Lamar Jackson's going to get the money. No one has made that leap yet. Listen. It kind of, yeah, it changes my perspective a little bit. Totally. And ultimately, like where we think now, man, like the Ravens really have the upper hand here. And wow, they played this perfectly. But ultimately, did they? If he ends up getting that money from somewhere else, they lose him. Even if you get the two first round draft picks, like, I don't know. I don't know if you look, I'd be hard to see that by the Ravens as anything but a failure, right? Uh, You never got to sign your own guy. You know what's funny though? He's not saying the Ravens won't pay that money. That's true. That's because true. actually when he said that, I thought, well, maybe the Ravens end up paying that money. That's still a very likely possibility. So let's not count them out. Although if the Ravens were going to pay the 230, wouldn't they have just paid it? Like if it was going to be the Deshaun Watson contract, yeah, but if it, that was enough to get it done, it, but I it think, would be done. I think that they don't think anyone's going to offer that. That's possible. But yeah. Thomas Dimitrov says someone's going to be seriously ripe. Yeah, you're right. think, it sounds like someone has B.O. It's like, oof, seriously. Right? I think I think <laughs> there's a scenario where the Ravens and Jackson reach a deal. I don't know. Actually, I don't think I, that's off the table. Yeah, I don't know what the timing is. But if they come in and say, hey, we'll give you 210. Maybe they want to save face and get below 230. I mean, Lamar has got to be somewhat reasonable here. He, doesn't want, he wants him to be able to, uh, I'm not going to get into this, but... He wants them to be able to spend on somebody else besides him at some point. He needs some receivers, Maggie. Uh, okay, so let's get to our celebrity sighting from, this was yesterday, right? Two days ago. Two days ago. Perloff and I are walking down the streets of Manhattan. We see this guy coming towards us, and he looks over at us. We're looking over at him. We're like, God, we know this guy. He looked over at us? I wasn't sure about that Yeah, part. he looked over at us because I was looking at him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I immediately recognized him. But what was your thought when you saw this man before we say who it is? I was like, who's that hot dad? Yeah, who's that hot dad? (laughs) But that's all I had. I was like, this guy looks familiar. He looks like a hot dad walking down the streets of New York. That's all I had. And then I knew immediately who it was because he went to the same college I did, Dartmouth College. He is Andrew Shue from Melrose Place. How about that? Andrew Shue walking down the street, Melrose Place, one of the great all-time evening dramas. But, guys, Andrew Shue is, like, tangentially involved in one of the biggest scandals going right now. Oh, that. You can't go to, like, People yeah. Magazine or any of these gossip sites. His wife was having an affair with her co-host on Good Morning America. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm on Team Shue because he went to Dartmouth, and his sister is Elizabeth Shue, who I'm a big fan of. So <laughs> I'm not a fan I'm, of Elizabeth Shue. I'm... Anti, what's her name? Uh, it is Amy Robach. Yeah. Yeah. I I would never, I'm never going to, and I, because I'm happily married anyway, yeah. so it doesn't matter. I would never want to be involved with someone from a morning news show. <laughs> or, it seems like pure chaos. It does. Why are those places such dramatic places to work? Was she in a morning show? I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Good Morning America. Yeah. They're I, co-hosting together. Her I and think it's uh, Holmes, I Is believe? it because they don't sleep enough? What is the deal? <laughs> it's got to be the same. All I know is the Matt Lauer story. I know the That's Apple TV one. show uh, with... With Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, and Jennifer Aniston. That's pretty dramatic. It's fiction, but whatever. There's always like, and this, there's always on page six. There's always and just listen, like items. And- Kathy Lee and Hoda were always on the edge. Kathy <laughs> Lee specifically. Well, I mean, they were drinking wine <laughs> they at were 10 a.m. Yeah, that's all you need to know. <laughs> and that was really wine in those cups. Have you, uh, I think, have, you know, you've been in this 
broadcast TV game. Would you ever want to do that kind of show? A six and think about what time that show yeah. is. So I've done a morning show. So I did oh, a Saturday uh, morning radio show from six to ten a.m. for five years. So that's a three a.m. alarm going off. Right, but that's and once a week. That's once a week, and I could do the show in my pajamas. Like I didn't have to oh, be the yeah. full hair and makeup. Like all these women have to spend an hour getting ready just to be presentable on camera, too. And at least you were talking about sports. Imagine being in one of these general interest shows yeah, and trying like, to feign interest on whatever crap they're talking about. No, it's like the, it's impossible. <laughs> one segment you're doing like war in Ukraine. The second segment yeah. you're cooking. You know. Taco Tuesday, like, it's just too much of a swing. Wait, wasn't there also, what's the show, who's the host of today's show now? Uh, I don't, I don't know uh, her name. This, I My wife follows her. No, 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 it's, what's her face? Uh, she was. She's very impressive. No, she was a legit, like, Washington person. Is it Hoda Cor, uh, Copy? Hoda, Hoda Copy, yeah. no, 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 no. The, the woman next door. I can't remember her name. Yeah. Uh, Savannah Guthrie? Savannah, Savannah Guthrie, yeah. yes. Yeah, but she was involved in something, right? Not her personally, but she was around. Like, well, Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he what might be mess. making a comeback, oh. by the way. See that? Anyway. Of course. Yeah. In this country, who won't? Yeah, so God, Andrew Shue. buzzer Hsu, under his desk that locked the door. What's going on with these people? Andrew Shue looked like a cool guy, though. I wish I had said something to him. Uh, I don't know. His wife's now like getting clip, like paparazzi pictures of like her and the guy she was having an affair with and, you know, on vacation in bathing suits. It's like, ugh, he's he's probably going through a rough time. Yeah, he could probably use the hello. From two strangers? <laughs> well, they went to the same school. No, yes, I, they're strangers. That's the thing, the Dartmouth connection. Do you think you wanted to talk about that? Dartmouth runs strong. <laughs> You're always, <laughs> always up for a good Dar- some Dartmouth I, I chatter? Think, I think Dartmouth is, is not like... A celebrity talk. Hey, man, you were in this house yeah. or whatever. Darvitz used to be a really big Greek school. I think he, I could pretend I was in his house. I don't know if I was in his fraternity or not. <laughs> if but it like, was Patty, pretend to be on the phone. I could have gone for the secret <laughs> handshake. Could be like, hey, hey, Andrew, you want to blast your wife on national radio? <laughs> yeah, you want to come in and get a little revenge? <laughs> That's a good idea. Just blow a torch how terrible of a person she is? <laughs> Towdy pick us up on that one. So he was actually, he was a legend in Dartmouth. For years, people talked about him, not because of him. He's an actor, a child actor, too. Wasn't he, he was an actor. His sister yeah. was the biggest. She was the late 80s She's in dream girl. She was in Adventures in Babysitting. One of my all-time favorites. Millions of, millions of guys had a crush on her. So Elizabeth visited Dartmouth. Yeah. In 1992 or something, and it was the most famous visit of all time. <laughs> People were like, yeah, Elizabeth Shue was here. And then, of course, she was in Leaving Las Vegas. I think she might have gotten an Oscar for that or nominated. Anyway, uh, yeah, Andrew Shue. Andrew Shue, we saw him on the street. That uh, was fun. I enjoyed that. It was fun. So, Not that conversation. I enjoyed seeing Andrew Shue. <laughs> Next time, Maggie, I'm saying something to him. Well, the last time we saw a celebrity, I saw DJ LeMayhew of the Yankees, and I blew it. Remember no, that? No, you said something. I know. I was you like, said, hi, DJ. Yeah. Hey, DJ. He was like, hey, it's like, I and didn't say everybody that. here, all the all the obsessed Yankees fans were really into this. Like, hey, what did what'd you say to him? Yeah, nothing. I blanked because I couldn't say great season. He was hurt for most of it. And I couldn't say, well, I guess there's other things I could have said. Good luck. Heal up. I can't believe you recognize him. He's also like the driest person ever. So, I mean, what was he going to give you? I don't know. But I saw Jameson Tyone. Another person. A delight. Another person I would not recognize if he walked in right now. <laughs> when, you, when you watch 162 Yankee games a year, you'll recognize these people. That you feel like you're their family. Um, oh. <laughs> okay, tomorrow, like, very, very important. Perloff is going to attempt to eat 16 ounces of peanut butter. Before we leave here, we have to determine the time limit that you have. 
Originally, there was no time limit. Where did the time limit start? The time limit started when the... The Casey Webb, I think? The higher-ups got involved, and then we got a little time to take a deep breath and really think about this thing. And we thought, man, three hours. Like, that's way too much time. No, it's because Casey Webb says, so can you do it in 15 minutes? Yeah, he said, and then he said 15 minutes. I... Yeah, that's like a real Kobayashi, Joey Chestnut level eating challenge. That's not necessarily what I was thinking of. Yeah. But... You think I could do it in a half hour? I'm going to I'm gonna actually go to your discretion on this. Amazing. I have so much faith in you. Mm-hmm. I think that this peanut butter doesn't even know what's coming. See, uh, it's well, not going to know what hit it. This started because if I'm watching college basketball on a Saturday and yeah. I have a jar of peanut butter on me and I have a spoon, I will start eating it and I'm relaxed and, I'm, and all of a sudden it's halfway gone before I know it. Yeah. That is my idea of this challenge, not rushing through it. I want to leisurely enjoy the peanut butter. I don't know if the committee will allow that. <laughs> Fair. I, I don't know if we can allow you to leisurely enjoy that. I think you're going to have to, we got to up the stakes a little bit. But it's not a speed eating contest because that's lame. I think with a half an hour, I think you're going to be comfortable. Okay. Don't forget, you also have to coherently host a radio show. Get out of here. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's always been a, that you've is never it. worried about that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That is not a problem. In fact, on the peanut butter high, I might be more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want a half an hour or do you want an hour? I I'm... could do a half an hour. Half an hour. So <laughs> oh, we have uh, NFL draft expert Lance Earline in hour one tomorrow. Yeah. And I really want to hear what Lance has to say with no peanut butter. Let's do it hour two tomorrow. Okay. So that's going to be four o'clock Eastern time. Perloff takes on the peanut butter. Wait, it's going to be four or four or five? I mean, we're not just going to immediately start eating it. Oh, boy. This is... <laughs> Thank you, Stu Kovacs. Thank you to Pat Boyle, Thomas Dimitrov, the Widows, the Purple Drinkers, the Callers, the Texters, the Chatters. We'll see you.